so there we are so what i'm gonna ask you where were you on the night of april i'm okay i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> it's an interrogation right it's not an interrogation like you've done this before you're, you're a lot more you know what you do with the solo cast or the solo recordings I, I don't think i can ever do that like i think i need someone to bounce off of like just being a, in front of the camera what you do with black girl on mars uh like um I don't know if I could do that. So that probably takes more skill than this, but shout out oh, to you I for mean, that. I, I interview um, people for my podcast. So I um, the only time I'm solo is on Instagram. So also, oh, do you repost those Instagram posts from YouTube? Because I was on your YouTube and I was kind of like looking at um, some old videos. Uh, I started there when I was trying to do to test them. And I, I did... The thing with YouTube, I was like, it's all or nothing. And I, I was doing juggling too many things. Um, but I think that when I did do an, an episode on YouTube where I was sort of reflecting about the New Year's, I had to prep that so much before I did it. Because like you said, you're really just interacting with, with yourself and the camera. So right. I never have to script things. And this one, I, I really, I mean, mostly, most of the time, I don't need to script things. And this one, I had to sort of uh, really outline and, and have thoughts set up because I'll talk forever. If, if I'm sitting in a room by myself, like, I don't know. that's <laughs> actually, know. I mean, you have a, you have a good, um, I call it the pod voice, or oh, it used to be the radio voice, but now I call it the pod voice. So uh, yeah, it's, that's not such a bad thing. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. I haven't done this in a while. Listeners, if you're listening, you're probably like, oh, where's Tonga? Tonga was uh, a guest hosting for me and she's been doing that since I want to say November or December last year. So this oh. is pretty much my first time back on the mic in like four or five months. That's why it, I was like confused on how to set up the volumes before the interview and things like that. But this is Nosa. You're not hearing the ghosts. Um <laughs> I, I did, I was on a little hiatus, you know, Tonga was holding down the fort while I was gone, but this is my first episode back in 2021, and welcome back to the Culture Class Podcast, the podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds. Today, I have someone dialing in all the way from Mars, Andrea Kwamia. How's it going, Andrea? Hi, hi, and I should tell you, it's 2022 now, oh, really, we're <laughs> It is 2022. My bad. My bad. My bad. Uh, it's probably like 2027 on Mars or something, like right? Like how much more? <laughs> yeah, I was seeing these people are talking about the difference between uh, different calendars and how we're behind in some in some cultures, and it, it really is interesting. So yeah, in Mars we're we're not as far ahead as as we should be, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I literally interviewed someone from Ethiopia, I want to say in 2020 on the podcast, and it was telling me how Ethiopia has like 13 calendar, 13 months, mm -hmm. and the days are kind of like not the same. And also, you know, the Chinese year also doesn't follow like the normal year. So even with daylight savings, so we're all just living in this whole Avenger style multiverse type thing, even in real time, and we don't know about it. It's like, what's going on here is not going on over there, but it is what it is, you know. Imagine you could go back to what would be a, a fun year to go back to. Like, if you could visit like Andrea at say maybe five or ten or sixteen, what would be an interesting year to go to talk to yourself? That hey, you know, you're X years old now, and this is what to expect or whatever, you know, that type of stuff. 
I mean, I think my favorite age in general, like for myself and also for like small children is nine years old around that age. Mm. Um, because I think there's, there's this um, divergence of being so ignorant, but the curiosity starts to build. So you're starting to be really um, self-aware and, but you're still so curious about the world and you still don't have to deal with a lot of responsibilities. So I feel, and, and this is just from personal experience and observation of, you know, children in that, that grade, I think around that age, you're still really authentically yourself and just like looking at bugs and like, I don't know, really obsessed with things like dinosaurs or whatever it is. So yeah, I mean, don't, don't let the curiosity die. Um, yeah, that, that I can agree with that. I, th- I think at nine, I was getting into high school or something. And that was kind of like, because I went to boarding school. So that's kind of like, okay, first year, kind of like on my own, on my own type thing. And just trying to, you know, make shit happen and whatnot. But yeah, pretty interesting. And, and if you're listening to this, by the way, Andrea is not really Mars, just so you know. As you can see, like our audio sounds pretty clear and, and crisp. Um Andrea is, how do I describe Andrea? Andrea Afwa Kwamia. Uh, she's, uh, she, well, she's the only black girl on Mars. Um, that's, that's number one. Uh, she is American uh, with Ghanaian and Ugandan heritage. Uh, growing up in New York, you know, living in LA. Currently dialing in from Serbia, of all places. And we're going to talk about that. Pretty interesting. DEI consultants, comm specialist, all-around superwoman, advertising experience, you know, like professor, like, you know, Magneto, Cyclops, everything you want to, <laughs> Shuri from the Black Panther, everything you want to talk about. But welcome to the podcast, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for our conversation. Most definitely. And, and it'll be interesting to touch on how we met. So we met through a mutual acquaintance or mutual friend, Ness, right? Who lives in Germany. I think Ness is Moroccan. Uh, she currently lives in Germany. And um, one of the reasons why I have Andrea on the podcast today, do a quick plug. So we have this thing we're planning called Pod Break, right? And I was just on Wuchi's podcast yesterday. He'll probably publish that a week from now or whatever. And, you know, we're talking about this thing, bringing African creators together. So all of us were all podcasts, like, you know, 15 podcasts or 15 platforms, 27 different creators so far and counting. And we want to converge in Chicago on July 1st to have like a creator house that we're going to be in for like three days, create content together, get to explore the city of Chicago and things like that. But, you know, I, I did some explaining about the purpose of the meeting, but taking it from like um, a podcaster's collective like or perspective someone in the group what attracted you to like pod break and why did you see it as something that you'd be interested in participating in yeah uh, that's a great question when Ness reached out to me uh, first of all she didn't really need to twist my arm she told me that um, someone that she knew um, in the podcasting space was putting together a group for African creators um, to host an event in the summer. And for me, as an independent podcaster, doing everything by myself, first of all, that's, that's one thing you can always learn from other people. And and when you're in your own bubble, um, you often don't see all of the 
things that could be improved, the areas that you could make easier for yourself, you know, whatever it is. And then on the other side of things in terms of our, our culture, our heritage, um, all being African um, creators, having worked in the marketing space in the United States, States for several years, I know that there are various few spaces for us. And for me, I'm always attracted to finding community um, with other African individuals, creatives, whatever it may be, because um, it's not always easy for us to find or have, have those opportunities. Dope, dope. And what, what are you expecting uh, for the two, three days you're going to be, or four days you're going to be in Chicago? Like, what are you looking forward to? Um, I mean, I definitely am really looking forward to, um, I, I know this sounds kind of childish, but making friends. <laughs> I want to make friends with other creators and, and hear about their experiences, um, what, what led them to make, make a podcast. And also for me, um, and we've talked about this a little bit separately, I, I really want to learn from people who are doing things well. And I think if uh, before we were touching upon what would you tell your younger self? And I, I, I would really tell myself that you don't need to work in a silo all the time, that it's that much more fruitful to, you know, touch in with other people and, and you can still have something that's yours, but will be much more fruitful. Facts, facts. And that's one of the, the purposes for Pod Break, right? Like first things first, we're coming together to produce content. So if you're an African podcaster living in North America, I mean, we have people flying in from Canada, Toronto, Vancouver as well. Like, you know, come down to Chicago, July the 1st, you can send us an email or just go to the website, right? It's podbreak.org, podbreak.org, and you can donate. Uh, if you're a listener, you want to swing by, like we're going to be interacting with listeners as well during one of the day, uh, one of those days. And we're going to be learning from each other, right? Like I consider myself more logical and analytical than creative. So it'll be interesting for me as well to participate. Like I can organize a lot of things and the way my brain works is like, okay, put, put all these parts together. But when it comes to using... Um, is it the left side of the brain or whatever to be, you know, to really emote and be creative and be in touch with uh, and exude emotion. Like I, I, I lack in that department. So kind of like learning that biosmosis, maybe it's, it's also what I look forward to. So just each other making uh, each other better, I guess, will be a great, a great, great thing. Fourth of July weekend, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully <laughs> the, the house is still standing when we're done, but um <laughs> Yeah, let's get into um, your background a little bit. So, um, Andrea Afwa Kwamia. So, you're American, but you have uh, Ghanaian heritage and Ugandan heritage. Give us a little sense of like your background. Like, who's your dad? Who's your mom? Like, how did they meet? Like, how did the concept of like Andrea come to being? Like, even before you were born, if you could answer that question. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, before I go into myself, I'm pretty sure they met at a party, but <laughs> nope. in Maryland. So, I don't know if it was anything. Uh, you know, deeply thought through, but, <laughs> but in terms of myself, I do call myself Ghanaian, Ugandan American. Um, in the past, I really, it took me a long time to even add the American to, um, to the end of it, because I was so deeply in touch with my Ghanaian heritage. And, and it was something really important for me, um, especially, you know, growing up in the 90s, 
people were not that kind to Africans. And so I, but I, I really felt the need to boast it. I, I needed people to know that I'm, I am Ghanaian, you know, I'm, I'm Ugandan. So you didn't um, try to, so, to hide it like uh, a lot of people growing up in the U.S. did, uh, you know, hiding their Africanness type thing. You embraced it? Well, when we were kids, so I, ha- I have three biological siblings. We spoke Tree and a little bit of Ereengang, which are Ghanaian dialects. We used to visit there quite a lot. And so I and my mom stayed at home to raise us. So I had so in my mind, I was. I was Ghanaian, you know, I, and we just happened to be living in the States. Um, and I, because the people I see at home, they're Ghanaian, you know, I didn't, the concept of being American didn't really matter to me because there wasn't a culture attached to it in my head, if mm. that makes sense. Um, but as I got older, I remember, I think I was 21 or something, I was sitting with my friend and it hit me, I hadn't been home in over like I think at that time over 15 years and I hadn't been back to Ghana and I and I had to reconcile that like it's not necessarily a bad thing that I'm from America but it but it had just been a place tied with where I wasn't fully accepted you know so I so I never I felt like why why do I need to attach this when when people are don't even like the fact that I'm that I'm African why should I attach that I'm American so um so in that regard, I knew a lot about Ghanaian culture. My father is from Uganda, and uh, he um, he came to the States very young, so he's quite Americanized. So I didn't learn any, um, I didn't learn much about Ugandan culture, to be honest, until I was in my late teens when I, uh, when I chose to take myself to visit my extended family and learn more about Uganda. Um, but my father comes from a family of diplomats. My grandfather was the secretary general of Uganda um, and they fled to the States when Idi Amin took power. And, uh, and my mother, on my mother's side, my grandmother was um, part of, in, in Ghana, we have royal figures. They're not, it's not um, anything active, but she was from a descendant from a royal line as well and chose to move to the states when she was in her 20s was it your dad kicking game to your mom or your mom kicking game to your dad how what was it like have they told you that story yet (laughs) i don't i don't know that they've told the full story but (laughs) the the story the story my mom always likes to tell me is when my dad my dad was a helicopter pilot for the nigerian Mm -hmm. air force and Mm -hmm. my mom's father was his boss right so my mom's father was in the communications department he'll be the one like communicating with the pilots and it was senior in rank to my dad, obviously. So my dad went, I don't want to say AWOL, but he was supposed to be going on a mission and he went off course to go pick my mom up from when she was, from where she was taking classes. And this was like, I want to say like nine, 10 years after the Nigerian civil war. So everyone thought the war was starting again and everyone like scattered, like ran away. But my my mom saw my dad, I was like, what are you doing? Like you could get into trouble. Like you get court-martialed for using military helicopters on private stuff. And he was just like, no, I just wanted to pick you up, blah, 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 that type of thing. You know, well, what what was that type of story like for your parents? I wish I wish my parents were that romantic. I'm sure I'm sure my mom would have loved that. Um, Pardon me. I think there's a little bit of gain. Let me see here. 
Yeah, your audio is a little is a little grainy. I, I hope it's turning out well on the Zoom recording, but on my it's better. Yeah, we're back. We're back. What what happened? Or maybe was that Zoom? Maybe it was just the internet or something. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this shit happens in podcasting, guys. Sorry about the break in transmission. Uh, but we're back talking to Andrea Afwa Kwamia. You know, you have a pretty interesting, I mean, Afwa is a pretty popular Ghanaian name, but I've never mm -hmm. heard of, is Kwamia Ugandan or Ghanaian? Ugandan name. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what, what Kwamia means. Um, so the, the, the background of our last name is in, in, my grandparents are from two tribes and uh, in my grandfather's tribe um, in the, in their culture, the firstborn son takes the name of the grandfather. So there's always sort of a, like a, a transfer loop to continue the names. The only people that didn't continue this, uh, this tradition is my family, unfortunately, but my grandfather's last name is Bigarankia. And so bigger rank, yeah. Bigger rank, yeah. The everyone else in my family, on my dad's side, his siblings are last name bigger rank, yeah. And my family's last name is Kwamia. Mm. So it's so, so is Kwamia your grandfather's first name or last name? No, uh, my grandfather's full name was Zurubaberi Bigger Rank, yeah. And uh, and so his father is Kwamia. And then it continues it. that way. It's really rare. Um, and it's an interesting tradition because it's meant to kind of carry on the names. And technically, my, but technically holding his father's last name, my uncle, who is the firstborn son, is the head of the household. And these are all things that I'm still trying to <laughs> understand and capture because it's a lot but <laughs> no, yes. no, I'm, I'm actually impressed i think you know your dad and mom were pretty deliberate like you no know, just them teaching you tree you know i grew up in nigeria and, and unfortunately i don't even speak beneath that well which is kind of like mm -hmm. my local language but the fact mm -hmm. that you grew up in america and are able to speak tree and kind of like know all this history about your family and are deliberate about learning it and are not like far removed from the culture it's pretty impressive um but i must imagine that given your situation like is it fair to say that growing up like you're you also you always like consider yourself some type of outsider because you were maybe never too Ghanaian or too American you were kind of like you know it, it always happens with like immigrant children right like oh your parents mm -hmm. came over from a different country you don't go to your country maybe you go back every 10 years Americans don't really see you. Sometimes even African-Americans is fully American. And, you know, back mm -hmm. when you go back, they call you American and you don't identify as Ghanaian. How was that whole thing? How did you come to terms with all that growing up? Uh, absolutely. Um, and just to clarify, unfortunately, I've forgotten, I've, I've forgotten tree. So we were kind of talking about the language thing where um, I, even though I accepted being Ghanaian, my parents were afraid to put us in the spotlight. So they actually stopped speaking to us. You know, they made a decision because back then there were a, a lot of problems. Schools didn't, I, I have a twin sister. So we, we would sometimes speak to each other and she, and, and they didn't like that. You know, we were actually put in a special class that we didn't realize was ESL. 
and when we got older we told our parents oh remember that class where we had to go and everyone was speaking Spanish and they were so mad because they didn't even know that <laughs> right <laughs> we were yes that we were being forced to take ESL classes but we spoke perfect English but it was British English um and so uh to to say that I have reconciled with it I, I would be lying I I'm still dealing with it today trying to understand um, the pieces of who I am, you know, and I, I think even trying to understand some of my parents' decisions, especially language, which is something I'm really interested in, um, where it's always the first thing that people will say to you, oh, you either it will be an elder telling you, oh, you don't speak to you, you don't respect your culture, and you're like, it's not my fault, or, you know, or someone telling you, like, oh, you haven't been to Ghana in over 10 years, you're not Ghanaian, you know, like, all of these things that they're, they're words from outsiders, but especially when you're younger, you really internalize them. Um, and then on the other hand, I grew up in the suburbs and you're sort of prized for being a certain type of black person in the suburbs, whatever it mm-hmm. means, you know, like there's, there's such a sense of confusion because you, as a kid, you're just, you're not seeing yourself as, oh, I'm, I'm a black girl. You're seeing yourself as, oh, I'm here as a student too. But when people make comments about you, you start to think like, is that what's important? And I, I had a tendency to try and stand out less because I, I couldn't handle the pressure. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, that's not such a bad thing. I mean, growing up in the suburb, I mean, I I can relate to that a little bit because I didn't grow up in the U.S. by the way I've been in the U.S. for five years so my my story is a little different but I can Mm -hmm. see that and I I can remember relating to Issa Rae a lot because she like her dad was a doctor she grew up in LA she was this awkward black girl like you say and you know she didn't fit like you know like you said like people's version of like maybe she didn't see herself as black obviously she'll be prone to a lot of the prejudice that black people face and maybe that's when she realized she was black but even within her own community she was talking about people treating her differently because she liked lacrosse or you know did things that black people don't necessarily do which is strange and you know just feeds into that outsider mentality but yeah. i, I want to say like i actually envy you in a way because like me growing up in a military family like a lot of my emotions going to boarding school doing all these things you know parents being divorced and all that good stuff like I learned at a very early age to um not to feed into my emotions or not to show emotion uh, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense so and you might say hey you know a lot of these things didn't get to you you always like focus on you know fuck these people you're going but later in life it's affecting me in the sense that because I blocked out a lot of emotion uh, growing up like sometimes my interaction with people can be a little awkward and it, it takes like me meeting like maybe a special person or someone that I just gel with your energy to just like be very you know mm-hmm. to to go with the flow with that person so even mm-hmm. though like you, you talked about hey you know um it was difficult for you and you had to like do some things a little less in order not to stand out like stand out a little less you've been in touch with your emotions uh that young is probably contributing to what you're doing now with all the wonderful things you're doing in your life, you know, being a creator, a podcaster, everything you're doing with DEI, everything you're doing in the comm space and, and everything like that. So I wouldn't 
see that as a negative per se. And mm -hmm. if you were to ask me now, I know you said, you know, you're still struggling to come to terms with it. Like from the outside looking in, it seems like you're really comfortable in your skin. Like I see the way oh. you, you make it. Yeah, no, I can say that because, you know, I, I kind of like try to research you a little bit, like before the episode for questions. And you could, you could tell that you're projecting like you want people to know this side of you that, hey, I'm a black woman. I'm young. I'm proud of my heritage. Like if you go to your Instagram rules, you're explaining things about your culture. I mean, your moniker is the only black girl on Mars, which I, I guess is an interesting story there. But you always put it in front of people and people who try to stand out less don't do that. So I think mm -hmm. you need to give yourself more credit <laughs> that you deserve for that. Um, but let's go into the story about coming up with that name, the only black girl on Mars. Why not Venus? Sure. Why not, you know, <laughs> Mercury or something, you know? Well, first off, thank you so much for for your comments. And, and I think it does, you know, self-awareness can, I, I was I was thinking about a chat we had the other day and I was like, is there such a thing as toxic self-awareness where you're, <laughs> you're so, you're so aware of everything you're doing that you can't even take action anymore, you know, <laughs> but I'm trying to live, live in a healthy balance. So, um, but yeah, the, the only black girl on Mars, it's, it's a funny story. I love the name. I love the moniker, um, but it's quite a lit. It's, it was a really literal translation to a situation that I was dealing with and I've told this story before and I and I don't know if it makes it hard for me to get uh, jobs with certain people but doesn't matter so um, I used to work at Spotify and it was my first job out of grad school um, and I was so excited but you know how you were talking about you know being comfortable around certain people for me the trouble is still around in white spaces I didn't realize it wasn't being myself, I, 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 I felt like I needed to be an exceptional person more so than I am, but I wasn't, I wasn't cognizant of that. And so I was putting so much pressure on myself in those spaces, especially to be asked to work at Spotify, um, getting through the interview round. But the moment that they tell me, um, they told me, what I would be making, it was really low, but it was my first job out of grad school. And so I said, you know, is there any way we can negotiate this? And they said, listen, we're, we'll, what we'll do is we're gonna make you a contractor for an X, Y, and Z amount of months. And then you're going to become full-time. And after that, after that, you're gonna get the regular salary. And I don't know why, instead of thinking like, this is BS. I was like, wow, they're doing me a favor. And that, that was honestly my thought. I was like, someone wants to work with me and, and it's Spotify. And, and so I, I was on a team called marketing science. Uh, our nickname was Mars and I was the only black girl on the team. Um, and I loved the team. I loved working with the people, but it came around that time to renegotiate. And I kid you not, but my manager at the time sat me in a room and said, I know we said we were going to make you full time and give you this salary, but um, I think what we should do is increase your current hourly rate by 10 cents. I was like, what? I was, the only, I was the only person on the team with my master's. I was a lead insights analyst. I was doing presentations in front of the whole company one time on a day where even the CEO was also presenting. I was traveling to London for them. 
And, you know, I, I'm, I'll, I'll say it on here. I was, I was making like 60 K. And so I went, I told him, I was like, give me, give me a week to, before we meet again. And I went and I started asking people who are comfortable to please tell me what they're making. Because I have the online data, whatever, the public data, but mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to know in-house what's going on. And so I asked people who started the same week as me. I asked people who were you know, junior to me. They were all making more than me. They were all making a, 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 on average 23% more than me. And so that's when I went back. And no matter how much I fought, even with the diversity office, HR, no one, you know, I, they said I didn't have a case to come on board because I agreed to be a contractor. And so I went, I went home that night feeling like, oh, like really dejected. And, um, and I just was listening to David Bowie on repeat. And the song that was on was Life on Mars. And I literally was in bed crying. And I was like, I'm the only Black girl on Mars. <laughs> And amongst amongst my, you know, you know, feeling feeling my emotions, I was like, I never want this to happen to another black woman in the industry again. And I thought to myself, it would be such an amazing idea to start a podcast. And I had that idea maybe two and a half years before I pulled the trigger, but um I'll be honest, my experiences at other corporate companies were were not that divergent from that experience there. As much as I loved the people, they there was no deeper respect for me, no matter what I did or what I did for them. So man, US capitalism really has a weird way with you just labor and employment, a weird relationship, I'd say. Like it's and I can relate to your story a little bit because my brother used to work for a subsidiary of Exelon, right? The utility company. And mm-hmm. it was the same thing. Like, you know, come on as a contractor and, you know, do this, do this. And funny enough, the week he got another job was when his boss was trying to, you know, say, hey, you know, do you want to like do that? I have another offer, like I'm gone, you know, type thing. And, you know, it's just, it's just strange, like working as a contractor, not being valued, like where uh, I used to live in, in Lagos, Nigeria, or in Nigeria as a whole, like there's, it's not the same way in the US, like prices are pretty much standard, right? <laughs> For the most part. So if you go to a, 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 a store, a shopping store in Lagos, most likely it's going to be the same price as, as the store for milk in Abuja, you know, which is a capital mm-hmm. city, except there's something drastic. Maybe there's some type of fighting going on there and logistics or something. Um, but here in the U.S., you, you find like different Walmarts in different counties in the same mm-hmm. state selling things differently. And even in the labor uh, pool or employment, like people on the same skill and this whole thing of negotiating your salary, like back home, like everyone's on the same. Everyone had grades. They were like, mm-hmm. like there was like, oh, you start from a trainee banking officer to a banking officer, senior banking officer, uh, assistant general manager, general manager. And every skill had their 
um, what's it called, their salary scale, and everyone earned the same thing, except you wanted to cross companies who paid slightly higher for that same, you know, um, position. But here in the U.S., it's just very strange. This whole negotiating salary thing and everyone being so secretive and people trying mm-hmm. to employers trying to squeeze out as as much as they can from employees and their a hundred different VP roles. You know, mm-hmm. you really don't know which is higher than which. Everyone seems to be parallel. It's just like a very funny situation, but um, taking matters into your own hands is, is very interesting. Obviously, uh, with the equal pay movement, like, you know, particularly for, for women in different industries, um, a lot of women have been asking that question. I'm not a woman myself. Like, I remember when they wanted to pay me less of my relocation pay and on the offer letter, they said they were going to pay this. And then when mm-hmm. I came, they calculated the miles from like DC to Colorado and said, oh, it was going to be X dollars per mile. So they're going to give me this, which was less than, was I like, what the fuck? Like, give me the whole thing. Like, <laughs> I, I, my whole budget was based off the whole thing. What are you talking about? Calculate? They were like, no, it's supposed to be up to that amount. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like that wasn't like explicitly stated. Mm-hmm. I think being a man helped me in a mm-hmm. sense because I put my foot down I was like nope like you guys cannot do this like right. like I, I have an MBA for crying out loud you gotta like and I, this was me like I didn't even have an alternative I didn't have a bargaining chip like I was gonna be on the street if they had said no but I was still like I'm gonna go down fighting that like, they're gonna know <laughs> in this company that even if I don't get this job the next person they're gonna be very explicit and like treat that person good but mm-hmm. I don't know is there something um for women like that don't make them as or or what can women do let me put it that way to be more assertive when it comes to like negotiation with salaries and things like that like do you have any tips yeah I mean for sure and and I think you you make a good point I it and I think men are if anything encouraged even from a younger age to to be able to handle themselves in in uncomfortable situations I'm generalizing completely so if you're listening to this I I know not every person has that same level of confidence but in general uh, when I when I first struggled with um, salary negotiation I think I also attributed you know cultural differences to it because in you know in our culture we especially to a certain age we treat people who are older um, than us, you know, with a, with a certain authority, with a certain level of respect, and and I took that so seriously that when I got into the working world, I really struggled with this uh, realization that I'm also I'm con- now their peer, you know, even if they're my boss, even if they're you know a few years older than me, that I need to treat myself like their peer um, in order to be able to not just think this is law. Um, and so I bring that up first to say that a lot of people who do struggle with it, some of, for some people, it is cultural. Like I, they don't know how to speak up. And then there's also the, the, the race aspect is like, uh, there are people who have really been pushed out for, you know, and it's happened to me too, for just bringing certain things up that were unfair so there's you're treading this fine line often as a woman especially a woman of color 
And so one thing that I would say is be fully aware of how you handle high pressure situations. Um, myself, for example, if I went back in time, um, I would either see if I could absolutely have um, a, a liaison to practice with or and to really practice with someone who would be really harsh with me so that it's like getting yourself re ingrained because I'm the type of person that I can, I could prep it probably perfectly well on my own. And the second I see someone's face, it, like, especially if a boss is going to say no to me, I think, oh, my boss gave me a directive, like, okay, you know, I, how can I counter this? And, and I'm much better at negotiating now, but if they don't believe that you are willing to walk away, they don't care. They really Facts. don't care. Yeah. Facts. You know, and leaning on your strengths, like you said, you know, this whole this whole thing of self-awareness, like I love our generation so much because it's like, you know, um, I want to say our generation, me being 19, you know, shout out. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we tend to be a little more self-aware. And you know, there, there are different ways to achieve different things, right? You just need to kind of like lean on your strengths and everything. And and I think what happened for what, what helped me as well, because I was a supervisor back in Nigeria, like supervising like a team of like 13 people. So I knew that as a supervisor, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing like half the time. Like I, I say that lightly, but I know that like this whole era, like supervisors knowing everything, like I know there's a way to like, so I kind of like borrowed from that experience as well. But, you know, however it works for you, I guess it works for you. Um, but yeah, like all these things you're going through, whether it's, you know, like professionally, or, you know, how you grew up or things like that. Like, would it be safe to say, like, how do I put this? Like, uh, this is something that I am also like coming to terms with because we don't talk about this a lot in Nigeria, but mental health, right? Mm -hmm. um, how, what's your relationship like with your mental health? And, and how, when did you start to, you know, get more in touch with your mental health? And what were some of the things you, you do every day. I know it's a, it's a con ongoing a battle for everyone, but what, what are some of the things you do every, every day to kind of like better your mental health? Yeah, for sure. I, I would say that I had, um, I've been pretty aware of my mental health needs from a really, really early age. Um, depression runs in my family and, you know, my parents are also divorced. So living in a high high tension household and also just the pressure of being a young you know the kids in an African household like doing well in school um I think my first experience realizing that I had some uh issues with depression uh was when I was between seven to nine honestly and um sorry was well when you're between seven and nine years old Mm -hmm. okay got it yeah yeah so and and it's also of course now that I'm older I realize a lot of those emotions were tied to um to they were contextual so there were a lot of things going on in my life that now I could look back and be like oh that makes sense why I would be sad or stressed out you know um and but now that I'm older and I've I I struggled with a lot of um a lot of depression in, in college and, and just putting so much pressure on myself to be successful, to, to do everything, to be on, on top. Um, 
and I've been able to come out of that and, and heal. But like you said, the healing process is always a continual journey. So now I really am learning more about myself and the things that I think are key to my health is I need to live somewhere that's that's sunny majority of the time. Mm. It sounds so small, but <laughs> but honestly, if there's a cloud over my house, I could feel the difference in my personality <laughs> just from like, <laughs> um, just from a little bit of darkness. I need I need sun. It makes me. I just feel so much more hopeful. Um, I'm in Serbia now, and and one of the reasons I came here is because um, you know I have I have. Uh, personal connections here but in terms of the culture people go outside they go for walks every day they take a moment out of their day to just have a coffee with their friends in the, in the middle of the day work isn't everything you know your friendships your family is something that is is really put as a primary and I honestly living in New York City and then living in LA I didn't know how to do that anymore. I really didn't understand how to be that way. And, um, and so coming here was sort of like a mental training for me, you know, cause I'll, I, I would, when I first moved here, I'd have friends who text me and be like, have you gone outside today? And I'm like wow. on, on my, on my computer, <laughs> you wow. know, and, and it's just really standard to go outside for a little walk. And it seems so small, but you, you do realize you're, your um, your whole mood, your whole vibe is different when you come back. You just feel a little bit more hopeful. Yeah, um, and I'm yeah. not not minimizing uh, like severe depression because I have been there, but just to answer your question about some smaller um, just maintenance things and tea, I just am addicted to tea. Tea, tea <laughs> and sun. Okay, those are very... <laughs> Those are very achievable things. Like, it's, what, what, if I may ask, like, not to get too deep, but what, what are some of the ways like uh, depression like showed up? Like, you know, people, yeah. people um, kind of like um, show that in different ways. Would you just kind of mm -hmm. like avoid people? Um, would you be alone? Would you find yourself doing compulsive things? Like, how how'd that show up for you? Um. So. I'll talk about really severe when I had severe depression and I would say I'm on the other side of, I'm several years on the other side of recovery from that. So, and then I'll talk about what I would say, maybe when you have people who have standard depression and they feel blue, you know, I can talk about that. So in terms of um, just to start with the lighter things, you know, when I'm not, feeling well now yes I can be a little bit avoidant I'm 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 technology avoidant so you know maybe I won't uh, I just keep my phone on silent because I get I have a, a little bit of anxiety just hearing the notifications <laughs> so so I so I get when I am starting to feel blue I'll know because I start to get a little bit of low-grade anxiety you know, start to wonder why things aren't going well, or, and or maybe I'll um, I'll feel like I can't see people or talk to people. So it does yeah. force me inside inside my house more because you really can't go on a walk without seeing people. You know, <laughs> um, and I think that another thing 
that it does, you know, I'm, I'm not much of a crier unless something is happened. Um, but I think everyone has their vices and something that they start to do, um, whether or not it's uh, for some people drinking, some people's eating. For me, when I, when I am feeling low and one way I can tell that I'm not fully in my best space is when I just start to binge some type of visual program, whether it's like mm. anime or YouTube, but I've given up YouTube and TV for Lent, <laughs> which still leaves anime, but <laughs> so, so those are the light, the lighter ones. And so it's just kind of how it's like you said, avoiding things and uh, blocking your time. So you, you're not allowing yourself to think or feel, but then for me, when I was having the darker days, let's call them when I was in my early twenties and I had really severe depression, I really struggled to get out of bed. There was one time uh, point in time where I was feeling such a level of paranoia where on campus, I, I couldn't have anyone walking behind me. I didn't, I couldn't have anyone uh, in the vicinity of walking behind me, which was really bad. And, and sometimes it would cause me to be late to class, like, uh, like 40 minutes late to a class you know, just because I didn't want to see any, anybody behind me. It was a strange, very specific thing. Um, and you went to college in New York, right? I went to college in upstate New York. I went to, to Ithaca College uh, and I went to grad school at Columbia University. Mm -hmm. so, you see, you see, I, see how she said that with a little bit of sass? I mean, I went to, did I? I went to Columbia, <laughs> you peasants. Like, <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> Help me pay my student loans, you <laughs> Right, 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 right. Shout out Spotify for helping with that one. Uh, and, and good thing that when you left Spotify, you helped us tweak some of the algorithms for Afrobeats. You know, you know, good, good job. I know, wink, wink. I know you admit to it, but, you know, shout out to you for, you know, following the cause on that front. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, depression is, um, again, you know, self-awareness with our generation. Like, I think everyone kind of like goes through this in their own way just again mm. you being self-aware like uh you know a lot of people block these things out like me living in nigeria like still struggling to be in tune with this thing you know when you mix religion with that it's like you're you're not exactly mm. sure and you're you're very afraid to face a lot of demons so what mm. i found is that some people that you might look at and see as very strong on the surface level I really, really maybe hit the hardest, you know, late at night or, or whatever, you know, when they're going through their shit. But some people you, you know, that people might say, oh, oh, you know, why are you talking about this every time? Or, you know, why are you, you know, doing all these rituals uh, to, to care yourself? Are the people who are all healthy, you know, to be honest, and, you know, late at night, they're still, you know, either like the same level, they don't have this like two-faced uh, mm -hmm. personality and everything. But um. Yeah, I mean, living in Europe definitely helps. A lot of sun there. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. not not as crazy as Americans, um, but Serbia. Like, how in the hell <laughs> did you get to Serbia? Like, I it's like it, <laughs> it's like I don't know. Like, it's like New yeah. York, LA, Serbia. How that happened? It and is. How long it have is. you been there? So right now, I've been here about seven months. Um, maybe going on eight months. Um, and so I, I would say my former partner is from Serbia, but I, and in New York, I had a lot of friends from Eastern Europe, um, 
uh, a lot of Bulgarian friends who who actually introduced me to the Serbs. Um, and and when I when we met, I think in 2015, um, back then I would visit um, Serbia and and he would stay in New York. Um, so we would we would balance the time. And now his family is really close friends to me because um, a couple of years ago, my older sister was in a bad car accident at the same time his brother was uh, had a bad, you know, health health scare. And then unfortunately, um, we lost someone that's close to us. So a lot of it was, you know, oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you so much for saying so. Um, so in, in, in the beginning, I really was. I was between two minds because I, I, what, what this all started as was um, the person that we lost. I, we had a little bit of a language barrier, and many years ago, I had tried to learn Serbian so that you know we could connect, and we used to talk to each other on Google, you know, Google Translate, um, and uh, out of you know, out of honor for her, I, I started learning and I realized that I was really engaged. I was actually really interested um, in continuing to learn. And, and it had been, you know, speaking about depression, I, you know, I had been struggling, especially when working with corporate in keeping uh, passions, things that really interested me. I didn't have any energy outside of work when I was still in the corporate world. And, um, and so when I was really studying hard and learning Serbian, I think it's been a year since I started, I, I was like, I need to take this seriously um, because I'm always trying to find that feeling again, like uh, that I'm passionate for something. So I came here not only to pay my respects, but also um, just if something told me that I need to come here and discover something about myself. So this is my first mm. time living here on my own, you know, it's all, it's all not been a full year, but almost a year. And so, um, and I, it just really taught me how to slow down. You know, I, 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 when I was living in the States and I wasn't doing a lot of things, I felt so guilty all the time. And here I don't have to feel guilty because it's not the same there's not the same prioritization of, mm. you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. 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 Like Europeans, like I say, you know, live life, <laughs> you know, don't work yourself to death and alienate yourself from your family uh, that you wake up one day being 60. Uh, but that's pretty interesting. What's one phrase you can say in Serbian? What's uh, my name is Andrea. I'm on the podcast or whatever word you can teach <laughs> us today. Okay. Zovam se Andrea. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You got to take it slow now. All right. Like, take dial it back. Take it slow. All right. Let's go. These teachers don't listen. All right. Uh, so, Zovam Se. Zovam Se? Zovam Se is what I would say for my name. So, uh, or I am called. So, Zovam Se Andrea, you know. Mm. Oh, and she has uh, an accent. Look at that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And then I am on a podcast. Hmm. I oh, nice to meet you. Let's say nice to meet you or something. Uh -huh. What's nice to meet you? 
Aha, uh-huh, drago me. So drago me. Yeah. Did you just threaten me? What what the hell? <laughs> that sounds so threatening. What what, what what is going what in the Ivan Drago is going on? But sorry, I, I can't say that say that again. My bad. <laughs> drago me. So you could say drago me and then in response to someone saying drago me, you could say imeni. So like me imeni. as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Someone saying no sad drago me. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. How close is Serbian <laughs> language to Russian? How, how close is it? Because my barber is Russian. Uh, I wonder <laughs> if I could say that phrase to him and if he, he'll know what I'm talking about. I'm not sure, but they have some some words that cross over. Like prob- so, like if you say good day, Dobrodan, I'm sure they'll understand or words like stravo, which are health. But I don't know much about Russian, so I don't want to make lies. Uh, so I don't want to lie. Right. Um, but but yeah, they have they share some similar letters in their alphabet because they have a separate alphabet. But mm. they but Russia Russian has different letters that Serbian doesn't have. Yeah, man, you're you're living a full life, uh, Andrea, and it's admirable. <laughs> like um, not only with your background in, in the corporate world. But um, you started your own business. Uh, you've now lived in another country uh, for a number of months. Uh, you've taken on that risk and touch your mental health. I think you're you're living like a very admirable, uh, rounded life. Like what what's mm-hmm. in the future for Andrea? Like what do you see yourself kind of like doing um, five years mm-hmm. from now? Hmm. I love that question. I mean, only because I was trying to visualize yesterday. So maybe that's why I don't feel as stressed about it. But um, I, it's funny you say that I'm living a, a rounded life. I think I do have moments where I go back and I think about what my life could have been if I stayed in corporate. And I, and I do have those weak moments where I'm like, I'm off track. And, and I just, I'm starting with this to tell anybody who's doing something that's outside of their scope, their own scope of what they consider the norm or the expectation to be is that if it feels like you need to be going a different direction, please do not be afraid and keep talking to your friends and and family when you do get those cold feet or talk to the ones that are supportive. Um, In terms of my future, I have, I think the one thing that all of my friends and family hear from me say all the time is like, I have a new project idea. And I'm, my goal is to really focus on a few things. So that's going to be the podcast. That's going to be career coaching and, um, and something that you and I have talked about, um, which ties into a lot of our conversation today, which is um, literally going to my family going to Ghana, going to Uganda and documenting what my culture is. And so I see it as a documentary and I'm already talking to people about getting grants and worked with um, with a potential director on outlining uh, because when we were talking about our culture before and I said, you know, I'm still reconciling with it. I feel like I really need to go on this journey and I want other people to see what that life is like being a, a tri-culture kid, a dual, a dual culture kid and trying to understand who you are. 
we already have so many pre-expectations on who we should be just from one culture, um, where you grew up or what people are telling you on the media now add several more and then mm. your own personality. It's so much to grapple with. Um, and so in five years, I hope to choose a country to live in. I hope that this, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a big one. Um, I hope that this podcast, um, the podcast will grow and that my documentary will, will be completed and, and, um, and that I'll be closer to answering some of my, you know, self, self-worth questions we'll say <laughs> yeah that's dope and i can't wait to see it you you seem really confident and that's very admirable i did little shimmy there <laughs> like no doubt in my mind that you're gonna achieve all those things and obviously like it was great um to to um kind of like plug in um at, at this point of your journey and thank god we have this on video so i can show this to you five years from now like remember mm. what we're talking about you know uh, <laughs> that whole thing like hey take a look so um yes, do you have any idea what your project, do you have any idea what your project is going to be called or you want to keep that close to the heart for now um right now i don't know what the official name is right now i'm calling it returning to my roots um but we'll see if i come up with something splashier that's just as clear um but i think this is the easiest way for me to understand and, and just to, to not forget what this project is that facts, at the core facts. of it it's returning to my roots and it doesn't mean that i'm gonna like everything i find but it, does, it doesn't mean that i'm going to answer all the questions about myself but it it's a it's a fact finding mission so that I can you know you know I my my brother my my cousin in in Ghana had a birthday today and I told him you know send me pictures of the babies um his family and I they're growing teeth and I was like I'm not there to be an aunt I don't see them grow up and I just you want to get bit is that (laughs) that your plan to get bit in Ghana (laughs) I just uh, I just want to be there for moments that I, I'm missing because I'm spending too much time in my head trying to trying to figure out the answers and now I just have to go and do it. Yeah. Dope, dope. I mean, Ghana is an amazing place. I was there for three months in the summer of 2018, all over the country. Like I went to Lee, uh, I went to uh, Amazofa, I think, uh, mm. Kakum. Elmina, like, like I just toured around, man. Like it was, it was great, and uh, you know, I look forward to have. You know, there's something about purpose, right? Like, I was, I was, I was reading. Was I reading a book or, or the Central Podcast? Anyway, I was consuming this thing about uh, how some of the soldiers in, in World War, um, um, World War Two, strip people like in the concentration camps. How they strip mm-hmm. people of purpose, like they would tell, like prisoners in the camps to kind of like move like bags of salt or sand or whatever from one end of the camp to the other, and this mm-hmm. were like you know maybe a thousand bags you know being moved by ten men, so it, it would take them the whole day to mm-hmm. move it, and like at the end of the day when they moved the last bag and they were like oh they've achieved something that all the bags that were on that side and now on this side, the soldiers will now say okay, now move them back. 
mm. type thing. And, and that was like an exercise to break their spirit. Like they had the energy to move the bags, but because they had been stripped of purpose and say, look, mm. what is like, oh, we thought we we're moving these bags here because we know we're going to build some type of bunker or something. You know, we had a purpose, but now mm. it seems like this guy just wants us to be moving bags every day back and forth. It's a very purposeless mission and that broke their spirit even more than the 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 labor of of carrying Mm -hmm. those heavy bags so i say that to say you discovering your purpose and where you want to be in five years and your walk to discovering more and more of your roots and you being self-aware of everything you're doing right now and even sharing some of that with black women is very very admirable because that's not a common thing in the world like like you might not be all the way there like none of us are to be honest but you just identifying what your purpose can be or is or part of your purpose is very admirable and like i said like hope to be there in 2020 seven you know chopping it up you know you you probably mm-hmm. i'll be drinking a beer you can be sipping your tea it's gonna be sunny anyway but i'll be, I'll be drinking <laughs> I'll, a beer i'll have a beer for sure <laughs> oh there we go there we go <laughs> oh do you know imagine if beers are like tea bags and like you dip a beer in water and it turns to beer that that'll be interesting you gotta patent that no sir <laughs> hey hey a lot of shit running my mind a lot of shit i have to patent but this has been very great like thank you so much i know there are so many more sides of you like um you know you there's a nonprofit side of you. Um, there's a teaching side of you. There's a businesswoman side of you um, that we probably would get to in another episode. Like, uh, hopefully, you can come back as a recurring guest every other month or every year. Uh, <laughs> but is there anything specific sure. you want to tell our audience, or maybe you want to talk to your future self, or or I like to give my my um, my guests like time to just drop dimes at the end. Sure. Um, and thank you again. I, I, I feel like every time we have a conversation, it's always so insightful. I, I, I'm sure we could have recorded every conversation that we've had up until the point that we we met to now. Um, but I just, like I said to everyone listening earlier, um, like Nosa said, I don't have all of the answers for my life right now. Um, and one of the things that I think I spent far too much time in the past doing was was really com- comparing myself and thinking that mm. there was one one true path. Um, and I think there's a really fine line between seeking inspiration from other people uh, where it can diverge into a place of sort of self-criticism, of self, um, you know, uh, pity even. And so what, what I would say is take the minimum of what you can and then start acting. And if you know you're someone who even like me can drag my feet from fear, just the fear of taking that step, find someone who will push you, find someone who Mm. knows your limits and who will say, I know that you feel like you only have this much capacity, but you have this much more. And you just have to start. And I'm I'm saying this to you. I'm saying this to myself. You really just have to start. It can start with a conversation, but unless you take that first step, it's all just words. And we all want to be some, we all want to be people who are making something, who are creating um, and do it for yourself, not for the world. And, And if you can take value from that, then you'll get closer to where you need to be. Facts, facts, self-awareness and community, like perfectly summed up, like, you know, 
know what's good for you, start really small and find a community that can help you, you know, go on to the next thing, not communities that take away from you, but communities that add to you. Well, that's a very good way to end the podcast. But before we go, <laughs> we're going to play a game of, I don't know what Please. I'm going to call the game, uh, <laughs> call the game either or, or whatever. I have just two okay. questions for you, uh, either Speed or. Round. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not a question. I'm just going to say two things uh, okay. and you're just going to choose one of them. That is just my way of being very mischievous. So I ready? Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's okay. go. Mm-hmm. all right you know who umar johnson is right mark johnson am umar, i gonna embarrass umar, myself umar johnson umar. uh-huh his he... uh like uh oh man this this might not work if you don't know who he is okay let me use someone <laughs> else uh let me see who's there uh what's he famous for umar johnson is famous or infamous depending on how you look at it as uh a pro-black pan-African is kind of like a Marcus Garvey type. He says he's the direct descendant of uh, Frederick Douglass. And yeah. he's kind of like, you know, championing this whole pro-black thing. I think he's building like a school for black boys and girls in Philly. Oh. Some people say he takes it too far because he doesn't really support like interracial dating. And, you know, he, he has some yeah. valid points, obviously wanting to advise, uh, advance the plight of black people, you know, particularly mm-hmm. in the U.S., but more so globally. And, you know, taking them back to roots, you know, you know, just the dashiki wearing, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, person that we all need so that's kind of like summarizes him but this okay. might not work if i if you don't like have context of, of him in the past but let me let me go on to my second question okay um, okay where feels more like mars america or serbia america interesting I, can am i do i just say the answer or yeah just say the answer yeah you can I expatiate mean, on that if you want okay to. to expound yeah it's it sounds so crazy to say, but I'll, I'll give a few few examples. So let's take for example my hair. I've had my hair braided as long as I could, and I I took it out recently to breathe. I have never had anyone in Serbia just stick their hands in my hair. Mm-hmm. I've never had anyone be like be so surprised about my full name, my last name, but in, in America where there are African people, where there are black people, people are always so shocked that we exist in Serbia. People are like, Oh, where are you from? like they're so, they just want right. to know you, who you are. And right. it's so strange. Cause I can be the only black person in the room and there's always going to be one person, but, but most of the time people are just, you know, just so interested in, who you are, what you what you're interested in. In the states, I always feel really like, um, you know, put in a box. Interesting. Where is um, Colombia? Is it in uh, what? Um, is it in Manhattan? Is it in Brooklyn? Is it in the Bronx? Uh, Colombia is is in Manhattan on the um, on the Upper West Side. Yeah. Manhattan. Okay. Well, I was gonna blame mm-hmm. you on you living in the Bronx, but did you live in the Bronx by any chance? <laughs> no, I've I've yeah. lived in. Uh, brooklyn briefly but i grew up in upstate new york so yeah but andrea from the block um <laughs> i i get what you're saying but yeah i mean it's so it's so um 
but and it's so funny why as as dysfunctional or you know presumably dysfunctional as america is to a lot of people like it's still like the pinnacle of like capitalism and like economic achievement so a lot of people still put up with a lot of things it's mm-hmm. just like don't fuck up the money type thing so we can sacrifice mm-hmm. everything else we can sacrifice mm-hmm. race relations we can sacrifice our mental health we can sacrifice our physical health we can sacrifice mm-hmm. family but don't fuck up the money that's that's just what america lives by like the almighty dollar Um, exactly but this has been pretty interesting like where can people find you like you know you want to drop your um you know social media handles that type of thing yes sure um so i am black girl on mars underscore on instagram um and you can find the only black girl on mars podcast on spotify and all of the other platforms um apple google and honestly anything um i am right now editing my second season i also had a long hiatus uh just sort of focusing on myself but i have uh, many like nine ten really interesting episodes um queued up um where we'll be talking about um black arts we'll i'll be talking to a guest speaker who um who's i we discussed the word ally, but of someone who is talking about um, IVF treatment and anything that is related to things that affect our lives, it, um, we talk about. So um, if you search Black Girl on Mars um, or my company's BGOM Consulting, Black Girl on Mars Consulting, you will find us uh, just on the first search honestly <laughs> dope 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 wouldn't, wouldn't it be funny if we go ahead and do this project and sell it to spotify like the negotiation they will be like aha aha gotcha bitch you know today <laughs> i know i think i think about those things where i'm like oh do i is it is it uh is it godly to think about making it big and rubbing it in, in the inner spaces? Ain't nothing wrong with a little pettiness every now and then, you know, because I can always say, like, I can say to your face, like, you know, Nigeria Jalof over Ghanaian Jalof, you know, because mm-hmm. it is what it is. So, you know, if you know the facts, it's okay to be petty. I stay away from it. Once in a while. I mean, you, you have to stay away from it. We don't start wars. You know? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show, um, Andrea. And uh, look forward to seeing you in Chicago and just, you know, getting to be part of your journey in any way I can. Uh, for the listeners out there, um, it's Culture Class Podcast everywhere, uh, cultureclasspodcast.com. Uh, I use my real name on social media, so you can probably find me anywhere as well. Not that I, I have anything interesting to post, but no Sayari. Uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, OnlyFans, Pornhub, whatever, wherever it is, <laughs> yeah, you, get, yeah. <laughs> you, you get your content. And uh, till next time, you guys remember to be well. And do me a favor, guys. Like, can you guys go on Tongwa's page and just say thank you? Like her holding down the fort for like, you know, four or five months. Uh, she's really been uh, amazing so far. So just just head, head to her. I mean, we started this thing in the School of Communication back at American University like three and a half years ago. So her coming back to guest host for four more months while I was taking a break uh, is so selfless of her. So um, just, just tell her thank you for me. But yeah, till next episode, you guys be well. 